माई सेवन चक्रास एपिसोड थ्री फिफ्टीन The seven chakras, swirling vortices of energy, positioned throughout our body, from the base of the spine to the crown of the head, for thousands of years, this ancient wisdom has been passed on from master to disciple. What are the functions of these energy centers, and could these chakras help you unlock your destiny and find your true purpose? Welcome to my seven chakras, and now. Your host, Aditya Jai Kumar. What's up, Action Tribe? This is AJ here, host and founder of My Seven Chakras, the show where we provide you ancient wisdom, inspiring stories, and action steps to transform your life. So, if you are new to our show, then I want to give you a warm, warm welcome, and know that you are in the right. Please now, before we dive into today's episode, let's listen to a recent iTunes review by Base Seven from USA. Every episode I have listened to so far has helped me tremendously. Not only is each episode full of information and inspiration, but AJ and everyone featured on the podcasts makes listening fun and easy to listen to. I listen to an episode every morning, and it really helps me set my day up for success, a drive to love. and be the best i can be this podcast has changed my life and i'm so grateful to have stumbled upon it wow what a review if you'd like me to read out your review as well just go to my7chakras.com/review write your review and send me a screenshot of it via instagram or email my instagram is at my7chakras that's at my7chakras and my email is aj@my7chakras.com all right so our guest for today is a former stressed out advertising senior vp and award winning designer turned healthy living expert best selling author and book designer she is also a longevity research geek and teacher at ishta yoga she's always cared for her physical and emotional health and after becoming the late in life mom she's made a promise to live to 100 and beyond her book life is long shares a collection of the top 50 nutritional and psychological tools for long and healthy life backed up by a wide range of research from our world's best aging experts action try please welcome karen selmanson hi it's great to be here thank you for inviting me hey karen how's it going are you ready to inspire I am always ready to inspire. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. Thanks a lot for joining me. Now, Karen, we always begin each and every episode with a dose of inspiration. So, what is that uh, inspirational quote that you have for us today and how do you apply it in your life? It was hard to pick. Um, but because I write these little quotes every day and design little posters, so to pick my favorite was like tough. But I think I would pick um Be so busy loving your life that you have no time for fear, regret, or anger. That you're so busy focusing on the people that you love, you don't have time to focus on the people that have like driven you crazy. Um, you just stay focused on what's to love about life. So that should be your mission. Your mission: be so busy loving your life that you have no time to focus on fear, regret, or anger. 
Wonderful, wonderful. Thanks a lot for sharing this wonderful quote. And it always reminds us that what we focus on grows and what we focus on makes all the difference. And in today's episode, you're encouraging all our listeners to focus on what you love, because when you do that, you'll have the right emotions surging through your body and you'll be able to move towards your dreams and your visions. And speaking about visions, what inspired you to write your book, Life is Long? Well, I'm a late in life mom. Um, I did try for a while to have a baby and I had many challenges along the way. And then I, I met somebody and we tried again and it worked. And I was 49 when I got pregnant and 50 when I gave birth. So I'm going to be 59 in August and he's going to be nine in August. By coincidence, we both share the month of, of August as our birth months. And, um, and so I promised him that I would do everything I could to live to 100. He asked me to live to 200, but I bargained him down to 100. And thankfully, he accepted my counteroffer. So and then I went on this quest to just research everything I could about living longer. I interviewed our world's top longevity experts, nutritionists, doctors. I read piles of research. And then I just kind of absorbed everything and I wrote up a book that had my, it was over 50. I was supposed to only limit it to 50 tips. Um, but when I went to write the book, I said to the editor, again, like you've narrowed me down to one quote. I'm like, I can't pick. So I said, I love more than 50. She's like, okay, throw in as many as you could. So I think we have like 57 tips in there. Um, and they're on all different areas, mind and body, because they both are important in how you age. Your thoughts can affect how you age just as much as what you eat. So um, the book is separated into two sections, mind and body. And, um, and then I just try to follow as much practice what I preach. And having a book is really awesome to help you to do that because after you write a book, you just sort of, um, it's like your accountability buddy. Mm. Like you feel like you have to live, you, like you feel like I wrote this book. Okay, now I have to really follow it. It becomes part of you. It becomes part of you. And then, of course, I have my little, my little guy, my son, with me every day. And he's definitely my accountability buddy to live my healthiest because I definitely want to be around to dance at his wedding. And not just slow dance. I want to do like some embarrassing hip hop dance, which is completely inappropriate for somebody my age. You know, I want to just like, you know, he's like, oh, that's my mom. I can, I can visualize it. So that's my plan. Wonderful, wonderful. That's a beautiful vision. And I'm sure people who are listening to this episode right now are thinking in their minds as well. Is it really possible to live till 100? But before going to this wonderful topic that we're going to spend a lot of time on, uh, let's go back to the start. You were initially in the advertising business, right? And then somewhere down the line, you decided to pursue your dreams of um, writing and publishing a book. So what made yeah. you make that switch? What's the story there? Well, I was, I was actually doing very well in advertising. Um, I was a senior vice president creative director in my 20s. And um, I was making money and like shooting commercials, but I, I didn't really feel happy. I felt it was very political. Um, and I used to joke that I couldn't drink a glass of water without the water spurting out the knife holes in my back because there were so many um, just unsavory type of people 
in the advertising business. It was very, I worked at the big agencies. So, and then everything was taking a while. I remember in particular, there are a couple um, events that kind of just pushed me over. One was that my advertising art director uh, got told that his wife was pregnant on the same day that we were signed a Kraft mayonnaise commercial. So now they both started on the same day, pregnant with human, assigned commercial. His wife gave birth to a baby before we gave birth to the mayonnaise commercial because we had so many focus groups and rewrites and talking and blah, 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 blah. And I thought there's something wrong there that if it's, it's easier to produce a live human being than a TV commercial. So that was like one thing. It was like, I can't believe this. And then the other, oh my gosh, there's so many like little things, but I was doing a, um, a Purina cat chow commercial and I had to write this, a song, uh, back then they had these cats dancing to Purina Cat Chow. You're probably too young to remember, but they used to do this dance, Purina Cat Chow, Chow Chow Chow, and the cats would do this. And I'd written a song about this, but they said that it was Chow 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 Chow. They thought it was four chows instead of three chows and a one chow. And I was like, oh my gosh, and I went out to dinner one night. And my boyfriend at the time was like, what's the, what's, the, what's the matter? I'm like, they said it was two two chows, but it was a three chow and a one chow. And, and then he's like, oh, my God. I'm like, you know what? i got to get out of this business. So I kept threatening to quit. My parents kept talking me out of it because they said, you're doing so well and you're making money. Like that was the main thing. You know, they were worried for me. So they said, you know, being a, a writer doesn't make any money. How could you leave well now when you're doing so well? And I said, well, in some ways, being doing well encourages me to quit because I figure it's the zen of my being. If I'm doing well at something that I hate, if I just apply some of these same skills to something I'm passionate about, I love, maybe I can do well there. You know, if I had sucking, I probably would have been in a state of fear. So... I, did, I quit and didn't tell my parents for a couple of weeks. And then I told them that I quit. And by then it was too late because I quit. And then I was working on a novel and, and I just stayed focused on must publish novel and stayed focused. Got it, got it. So then, okay, so you took that decision. You decided to move in the direction of getting your first novel published, but it wasn't an easy journey, right? And it involved a lot of rejection. So talk a to us about that phase. Sure. Um, well, okay, so I wrote the book and I kept going to bookstores, envisioning it um, on the bookshelf. It was a novel, a fiction book. So I would go to the fiction area. My last name is Salmonson. And I would be, who's going to be my little book neighbor? Who am I going to be next to on the bookshelf? So I looked and I was going to be next to J.D. Salinger, who wrote Catcher in the Rye. So I was like, oh, Salinger, Salmonson, I'm a nice little book neighbor. And I would just like envision the book there. And, but I couldn't, I didn't, I had trouble getting an agent. And then I was freelancing at MTV and I got into the elevator one day. And there's this guy in the elevator with me, Mark Pellington, who I knew a little bit, but not even that well. But I got into the elevators, just kind of so excited that I finally finished the novel. We got into the elevator and he said, hey, Karen, what's new? I didn't ask for an agent. I wasn't even looking for an agent in my brain at that point because I didn't know Mark that well. But I just, in my exuberance, said, I just finished my novel because he asked me what's new. 
And then he's like, do you have an agent yet? And I'm like, no, I got to find an agent. And so then he asked me, would you like, I know an agent, would you like to meet him? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> yeah. So by the time we landed in the lobby, I had an agent's um, name and phone number and I joke of MTV had been located on the fourth floor instead of the 24th floor because we got to talk for 24 floors going down that I wouldn't yeah. be published. But luckily we got to talking. And I think when I think back on that day, I think it was because I again I wasn't in a place of fear. I think a lot of what I've accomplished is because I get exuberant, I get excited, I get happy. And I I wasn't in the elevator like all bummed out that I couldn't find an agent yet. I went in and I told him from a state of like fun energy. And I think that that's what sort of got him like, you know, to suggest it was his suggestion. Would you, mm -hmm. would you like an agent's name and number? And so that's how I wound up getting my agent. Got it. So this is actually a great piece of nugget for viewers and our listeners who are wanting to take those steps towards transforming their lives. It's important, it's important to have that exuberance, that excitement and that sense of energy. Um, and also envisioning, I love the fact that you used to go to these bookstores and visualize your book up in the bookshelf and uh, imagine who's that book neighbor, who yeah. that person is going to be. So, wow. Thanks a lot for sharing. Now, uh, like you mentioned, you got pregnant in your late 40s, right? What was that experience like? Well, I also was about to give up on that too um, because I had had trouble in the past, but I really wanted to be a mom and I didn't want to give up. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's sort of interesting. I, a couple of things happened that kept me going, like little signs from the universe, you know? Mm -hmm. Like I remember once I was on the phone with my girlfriend, Lisa. Both of these stories have to do with her, actually. And I was like all ready to say, okay, I'm in my late 40s. And she's like, no, no, I can envision you having a baby. Don't give up, you know? So I went to do laundry. Right after I got off the phone with her, I went down to the laundry room in my building. I live in New York, so we have laundry rooms in the building. And I got my clothing out of the dryer. And there in the dryer with all of my stuff was this little tiny white T-shirt. And at first I was confused because I was like, "Is this? did I shrink something this much? It was like really little. <laughs> and then I realized, oh, wait, this is a baby T-shirt. Like it must have been mm. in the dryer from some exhausted mom that like didn't notice that she left behind one of her little baby t-shirts. So I was like, okay, this is like a laundry room intervention. Like this is like the universe saying, don't give up. So I went upstairs with the little t-shirt and I, I had it out and I kept it out. And I kept thinking, I'm going, I will do this. I will find a partner. I will have it, a child. And then my girlfriend, Lisa, who believed in this for me, like I guess you would call it holding space, she got me this little blue stuffed animal toy dog that a toddler was supposed to pull like on a little string and it would go around like this. Mm. And she said, Karen, I envision a little boy and this is for your little boy. And I, I mean, I really had trouble holding that vision, but I like with her there by my side and then I met someone and we tried and I got pregnant and for a while he thought it was going to be a girl and then lo and behold it was a boy and i'm like 
Lisa was right. <laughs> right. So that's what happened. I, I kept I kept having faith. And it's it's not just the law of attraction, it's also the law of perspiration and the law of logic. I I started to date differently. Mm-hmm. I would tell men on um, not on the first date, but I would tell them pretty much right away that I wanted to have a baby, but I only wanted to have a baby if I was in love because I didn't want to scare the guy off. And I also really only wanted to have a baby if I was in love. I wanted to have a happy family. I didn't mm-hmm. want to be, I, I wanted the whole, the whole enchilada. So, um, and I, I wanted to make that as clear as possible. But I also want to state, state it up front. And so mm-hmm. if somebody didn't want to have a child, then that's okay. We could go our own separate ways. But I, I found a way to state it in such a way that it wouldn't intimidate or you know, scare off or look weird. You know, I just found the language for it. And, um, and you know, if men didn't want to have a child, that was fine. But then a lot of men also want to have a baby, and then those were the guys that I wanted to date. So I dated differently. Got it. So there you go, Action Tribe. We are learning about the law of attraction, but not only that, the law of logic in terms of you know what your goal is or your vision is and how you can take those logical steps, not only in terms of uh, the strategic steps you take, but also in terms of the small you know, conversations that you have that will take you closer to your vision. I love the fact that you paid um, you know attention to the science that you were receiving, especially the small little uh, baby T-shirt that you found in the washing machine, which is crazy. And it's just a reminder for our audience that if you have this goal, something that you want, don't give up. But, you know, be cognizant of the science that you might be receiving from the other side. Now, Karen, you want to live till you're at least 100, right? So I know each of us has our own reason for living longer. What is yours? What is your why? Well, it's definitely my son. Um, uh, And in fact, longevity studies say that if you have a reason to keep living, even something as small as having a plant, they did studies where they gave some elderly people an assisted living plants. And those people who had a plant to take care of, well, you can imagine with the son you love. Um, and that keeps me completely motivated. Also, I love my life. I'm curious about the world. I want to see what technology is like in like, you know, when I'm a hundred, I'm just like a very, I love life. So, um, for all of those reasons, it's not just to get to a certain age. It was interesting when I started to write about living to a hundred, some people pushed back and they were like, you know, um, not if you're not in, you know, not if you're not in good health. So, and then I realized I have to really double back and state I want to live to a healthy 100. Um, again, I guess I want the whole enchilada. You know, I want I want clarity of mind. I want energy. I want to have the ability to be social. Um, I call it um, being part of a tribe called the Welderly. I want to be older but well. I want to be part of the Welderly. I want to travel and I want to do things with my my son and friends and and the more you are social and the more you travel the longer your longevity so everything kind of feeds into each other all of these things having a reason for living they say that um delay when you well I wrote it this way in my book um delay when you retire delay when you expire they say that when you the longer you 
you work for, if you love what you do, then that helps you to live longer. And if you have people you love, that helps you to live longer. If you have a strong community around you. So that's, uh, I'm going to keep writing. I'm going to be writing at a hundred. So all of that. Got it. So Action Tribe, if you are watching right now, if you have any comments, observations, let us know in the comments box below. We're learning that in order to be living longer, you need to have a strong why and something that you need to take care of, like that little plant. Even if it's a plant, studies have shown that it increases, adds years to your life. But not only that, it could be your vocation or even your job. So if you retire later, there's a good chance that you will live longer as well. Now, Karen, you're obviously on this quest, right? You're on this quest. You're in writing this book. You, you know, consulted and spoke with numerous experts. You read books and things like that. How did you first stumble upon the field of longevity? What was that first, you know, step or experience? Well, I'm a, I'm like a voracious reader. I'm like a research geek, and in fact, a bunch of years like about a decade or so ago i lived in a different apartment and i was going to move and i realized as i was packing that i had amassed like something wild like 700 books so i called <laughs> up, i know it's wacky so i called up um the strand bookstore here in new york and i said come and get them and they said that they had never seen that many books in like a young person's apartment. Usually they saw them in little old lady shut-ins, but I love to read. So I've been always reading books on nutrition and health. I actually believe that happiness is like holistic, um, that, you know, I, I coach people and, and when I try to get to the root of what might be their um, unhappiness, their anxiety, I include questions like, what's your sleep like? What's your diet like? You know, alcohol, drugs, smoking, all of that. It's all holistic. So if I want to live my highest potential life, which is what I want, then I have to take care of my health. I have to take care of everything. It, you can't just, in mind, body, spirit, all of it. So I've always been interested in health and nutrition as well as happiness and psychology. Action Tribe, challenges and difficult circumstances have a way of coming at us out of nowhere and when least expected. Is there something that is stressing you out or preventing you from achieving your goals? Because BetterHelp Online Counseling can definitely support you. Whether you're experiencing depression, stress or anxiety, or you're in a difficult relationship or a family conflict, or you're just not able to get good sleep, you can connect with your professional counselor in a safe and private online environment from the comfort of your home, no matter where in the world you are. And the best part is that if you're not happy with your counselor for any reason, you can request a new one at any time at no additional charge. And my seven chakras listeners get 10% off your first month with discount code action tribe. So why not try them out, right? Go to betterhelp.com slash action tribe. Simply fill out the questionnaire to help them assess your needs and get matched with a counselor you love. B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash A-C-T-I-O-N-T-R-I-B-E. That's betterhelp.com slash action tribe. Now in your book, obviously you talk about different 
uh, steps or strategies that one can take, like simple steps, a lot of them are that can, you know, uh, increase or help with their longevity. Talk to us about the blue zone region in Japan and what specifically is Harahachibu. Oh, that one. You like that one. Um, well, it's a region where there are a lot of uh, centenarians. They live to 100. And that is the practice of, le- of eating until you're only 80% full, like making sure that you don't eat until you're completely stuffed. And in, in general, a lot of studies say that um, giving your stomach a break now and then is a good thing, like intermittent fasting is good, making sure that your gut health is in good shape, uh, a lot of probiotics and pre- prebiotics as well. So if you're eating to being stuffed, uh, that's not good for gut health. If you've ever noticed, if you've had like a big meal, like Thanksgiving or something like that, you feel like sleepy afterwards. Um, Mm -hmm. It's because of gut health and brain health are intertwined. So you want a healthy gut for um, brain health, for your energy, for all of that. So don't eat until like you're feeling stuffed. Stop. A little bit, still a little, still hungry. Just a little bit of that is good for your health. So, a good thing Got to it. do is sometimes you don't know that you're full yeah. uh, right away. So, uh, there are little tips that you can do is like get up and go to the restroom, go for a walk to the restroom. Like right, bef- like if you if you notice that you still have the urge to eat, you know, get up, walk to the restroom, and walk back. And in that walk. You might be aware of your body's fullness because you're not just like, oh, my God, this is so delicious. I want to inhale it or make a choice ahead of time to portion off. Like if, it, if you can see, it's a really big plate of food. If you're in a restaurant, you know, portion control. They did a study um, with uh, people with this constantly refilling bowl of soup because people can mm-hmm. sometimes be um they get, they decide that they're done by what's on their plate. Like they're, oh, I, you know, they want to be part of the clean plate club. So yeah. they took a bowl of soup and they purposefully had this little pump below it that kept pumping in more soup. So the bowl never got empty. And people kept eating the soup, you know, when they should have been full, but they, they took a visual cue and they're like, well, I, there's still more soup in the soup bowl. So they kept eating and eating. They weren't paying mindful attention to their body. But if they had done the trick and gotten up to go to the restroom, you know, checked in with their bodies, mindful eating, then they would have stopped and not just had the visual cue of like, oh, well, now I'm done because the bowl of soup is done. So it's mindful eating. I call it appreciate eating your food. You appreciate eat. You eat slowly, you taste it, you enjoy your food more. Actually, um, if, you're, if your goal of, of food is to um, really savor it and not to uh, you know, have as much food as possible, but to enjoy it as much as possible. Got it, got it. So love these steps. Uh, eat till you're 80% full. You know, you can take a quick walk before you finish your meal just so that you can be more mindful, like you mentioned about our food. Uh, and, and and the thing that I love that you've written in your book is that it takes about 20 minutes, right, for the for yeah. our, you know, digestive system to sort of tell our brain that, whoa, it's enough food. Exactly. And usually by the end, by the time that happens, it's like we've had so much food to eat. So it definitely makes sense. Now, 
you've just spoken that fasting is incredibly beneficial to our overall uh, energy levels and longevity right because i do fasting myself i do intermittent fasting i skip my breakfast and i have found it really really useful i know uh, so can you talk to us a bit about you know the power of fasting yeah well it's good for your mitochondria and makes mm-hmm. mightier mitochondria and a good way to do an intermittent fast is um skipping breakfast the night before when you stop eating make sure you've had a little bit enough protein and enough healthy fat like it's good to have maybe an avocado um, in the evening before so you just feel more sated and then all that time that you're sleeping is time that you're fasting so to speak and then when you wake up in the morning then you just have to you know you sometimes you can even get intermittent fasting even just getting to lunch is helpful to give your stomach that much of a break or if you can make it to dinner for one day that would be great if you could do a full day of fasting but i tell my clients even just getting to lunch is healthy for your system to do an intermittent fast from evening to lunch how long do you fast for i'm so curious what do you do yeah yeah similar to what you said so what i do is i have my last meal let's say at about um 7:30 although i'm working towards you know having an earlier meal but then uh, i have my lunch at about 1:32 ish you know whenever i'm hungry and initially it was really difficult because i wanted to, i had that craving right to have that uh, breakfast or that early uh-huh. brunch uh-huh. but then as time went by it became more and more natural to eat whenever i was hungry like sometimes i might be hungry and wanting to have a breakfast and I'll have that but in most cases I have my first meal at about 132 and it's it's wonderful <laughs> I know I know I at this point it, it's normal for me it's I can almost intermittent fast by accident you know it's like if I'm busy now <laughs> I guess I'm intermittent fasting today <laughs> yeah yeah so, and so sometimes I feel like hungry, they um, they're actually just dehydrated so if you have water it can really help you um to stave off the hunger sometimes you the body being dehydrated you can confuse that kind of dizzy hungry feeling and you're just thirsty right. right that's that's a great point so you might be thirsty but not hungry so ensure that you're not just fasting but also getting enough uh you know water intake in your body so that you're satiated in that way mm-hmm. uh and on your quest uh, can what has been one of the most surprising things that you've discovered about longevity and and living longer anything um, surprising i you know i i guess i like some of the psychological tools that i learned were sort of quirky um i learned that i learned well first of all i don't lie about my age i tell people i'm going to be 59 in august right but yeah. weirdly enough um lying about your age could be good for your health that if you believe that you're a certain age so i'm going to give you i know there are people what she's going to say but actually but i also think it's good to tell your age and to own it because i'm going to say two things that are contradictory at the same time um first not being afraid of getting old helps you to age well like so i'm going to because now i feel bad that i i started off so i'm going to kind of backtrack and then come forward because i don't believe you should lie about your age i'm going to tell you a study about how it helps somebody but at the same time if you're afraid of getting older that can be bad for you 
Uh, so it's good to collect role models that are aging gracefully. Now, my mother is in her 80s, and she looks fantastic. Her energy is fantastic. She travels around the world with her boyfriend, and they are fantastic. I have a great role model for of, of her as somebody that's aging really well. And I look around. I'm always excited when I meet somebody. I follow people on Instagram that are like energetically doing things. The elderly, as I call it, in their 60s and 70s and 80s. I collect them. I, I, it's mm. part of like um, the positive aging movement. I want to be part of that. So with that said, I want people to embrace their age. But here's the story. When people were, were told, they, they took a bunch of senior citizens and they put them in um, a weekend retreat. And when they got there, the first thing they did was they, um, they told them to pretend like it was the 1950s. And they put on music from the 1950s. They got newspapers that were from the 1950s. And they said, pretend you're in, I, I don't know how old they would have been, like in your 40s or 30s. And it's the 1950s. And just all weekend talk as if you're in your 30s or 40s and then they even took away the old people's cane and you're wow. not allowed to use your cane you're not allowed you know so and then by the end of the weekend they took their blood tests the blood pressures and everything had gone to a much more healthy level by lying about their age and pretending that they're in their 30s and their 40s they mm. wound up actually helping their health so I loved that story. I thought that was really great. So that's why I wanted to, you know, fast forward and say, don't be ashamed of your age. But if you if you say a lot to yourself, like I think to myself, my energy is that like I have a babysitter I hang out with all the time and he sometimes comes in to help me as my assistant. I hang out with them. I feel mm -hmm. like our energies are the same, you know. We run around the city while we're doing errands. So I feel like yeah. You asked me that I have the energy of somebody in their 20s or 30s. So, yeah. Um, but I wouldn't lie about my age. So, that's the story, though. Got it. No, that's so true, though. I mean, uh, you know, I find that age is just a number. You have some people who are maybe in their uh, 40s, but they're always talking about, you know, getting retired and settling down and not doing anything and just resting. And then you have people who are older than that who are like you mentioned right on Instagram and they're creating something and they're writing books and they're always thinking about collaboration and meeting with people and they look young <laughs> just because of their lifestyle. Yeah. So it's fascinating that you shared this, 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 uh, this uh, experiment that they conducted with the elderly people, uh, but it's so powerful and I wish they do more of this. Yeah. Right. I thought it was great. They yeah. also, there was another study in my book on uh, vanity helps longevity that if you do more things, to take care of your, um, like you got youthful haircut, you wear youthful clothes, you know, that right. if you take care of yourself in the same way that stereotypically somebody young would be, you know, versus just giving into it all, you know. So um, there were studies, there were people after like a good haircut, you know, if they felt youthful and confident, except for I just had my hair cut recently. I used to have hair down to here and I missed my hair. So as I'm talking, I'm like, <laughs> missing my hair. It doesn't work if you have a haircut you don't like, but if your hair, I miss right. my hair. Like I have like phantom hair. I'm like, I'm reaching yeah. for it. It's not there. Where did my hair go? It used to be down to here. Right. Right. Have you ever, you know, done some study around hair? Because obviously, you know, in history we see, you know, Samsung had long hair, and yeah. when they cut his hair, he, he was different, right? And then I you, do feel sort of, that way a little. you feel that I way. I do. Okay. I do a little. I miss it. I miss a little. 
Oh, here is energy, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Now, when people think about cholesterol, what tends to come to mind usually is blocked arteries, you know, risk of heart attack. But you've written in your book that, you know, not all cholesterol is bad. So talk to us about, you know, the good cholesterol, the bad cholesterol, and how can people make better choices when it comes to, you know, using oil in their food? So I, well, there is something called good cholesterol and bad cholesterol. Um, I think that's what you're talking about. But in the book, I talk about having an oil change where there's good oil and bad oil. Um, So you want to make sure that you have avocado oil, um, Mm -hmm. olive oil is okay. Coconut oil has lately gotten mixed reviews. So, and there were articles were coming out more and more as I was writing the book. So I put in a little extra warning about that. But I also want to say that it's not necessarily permission to overdo it. Like when I go into the supermarket and I see potato chips and they hype avocado oil, coconut oil. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, they're like trying to pretend like it's permission. It's still processed food. So everything in moderation. But if you're going to bother to cook, there's also MCT oil that uh, people put, you know, I'm sure you've heard of Bulletproof Coffee right? Where mm-hmm. people put yeah. a little bit of MCT oil in their coffee in the morning. And um, they say that it, it actually keeps your energy going more so if you have the MCT oil in there and it doesn't have, sometimes there's that like insulin cliffhanger thing that you have the coffee, if you have the black coffee and then you crash. So with the MCT oil, it's better for, it gives you the sustained energy. So that's one of the good oils too, right. MCT oil. Right. So it's all about, you know, not just like we discussed earlier, doing these fasts, but also depending more and more on healthy fat so that our body can draw up on the energy. I'm big on avocados. To me, that's like one of my favorite foods. Um, I even make avocado smoothies. They taste really good. I first discovered it when I was in Brazil. They had avocado smoothies and I thought it was delicious. And now I make them. That's how I trick my son to have um avocado as i put it in a smoothie he loves it it's great it's delicious yeah yeah i love the thing is i love avocados but there was a phase where i would avoid eating avocados and the reason i realized was because i found it hard to cut and i found it a mess right and then i watched a youtube video where it was like it showed you like like a hack you know sometimes you have these hacks about how to to avocado and i was like that makes sense and ever since it became so much easier and i I love avocado you know sandwich i want to know what do you do? So basically, you, you know, you just you just uh, cut it and you you hit the the seed and then uh-huh. the seed comes out and then you you cut it with the skin intact, but then you take a spoon and you scoop it out. That's okay. that's what I found was you know much more quicker compared to what I was doing before. Uh, but you know, sometimes it's like if it's not convenient, you tend to avoid it. But then it became more convenient for me, and all of a sudden I began doing it more, more and more. Uh, now in your book, you talk about something called telomeres, which I'm sure many of our listeners haven't heard about before, but you've written that uh, growing and maintaining our telomeres can help us live longer. Yeah. So for those listening right now, you know, what exactly are these telomeres and in, and why do we need to protect them? Okay, well, I, I give an analogy of like a shoelace and the telomere part is like that little plastic doohickey on the end of the, the shoelace and the mm-hmm. better intact that is, 
the better for all of your chromosomes. They, they, it just keeps you healthy in general. So one of the ways that your telomere get worn down is stress. So um, I, I write about meditation a lot. I studied to be a yoga and meditation teacher and I love meditation. I personally meditate every morning. And uh, so I, I definitely recommend for longevity and also for daily happiness having a meditation practice, which brings me to my next book that's coming out in August of 2019, just in a month or two from now, um, Instant Calm, where I have these little two-minute meditations because a lot of people say, but I don't have time to meditate, which mm. actually on the days that you think you don't have time to meditate, that's when you actually really need to meditate most. So right. the, the way you said you don't want to do something, if it's messy or difficult, a lot of people also think, I don't know how to meditate. So um, I try to come up with fun, simple, easy meditation, so easy that even my uh, little eight-year-old son can do them, you know. So I give him these meditations to do. Just to add to your point, I found that in our community, especially when the mothers or fathers are doing meditation and maybe they are teaching their kids, the kids are able to learn meditation much more easily. It comes more naturally to them because I guess they are more in touch with their creative and intuitive side. And maybe the adults have over the years forgotten that there's this part of them that exists. Uh -huh. <laughs> you know? Well, that's interesting. I think that's true on some level. Um, my son, when he was about four, five, six, one of those, you know, he's a very high energy kid and yeah. he was feeling stressed. And I remember one day I said to him, breathe, breathe. And yeah. he said to me, mom, every time you tell me to breathe, I get more stressed out and more frustrated because I kind of don't even know what it means. What, what do you even mean? Ah, right. So I went out and I got him at that point in his life. He loved Spider-Man. Now he's mm -hmm. eight eight so he doesn't he's not that into spider although he likes the spider-man movies but not like so anyway but back then i got him a spider-man um pinwheel had little mm -hmm. spider-man things on it and i said to him breathe into the pinwheel for you know breathe out into the pinwheel for four seconds and then breathe in four seconds out four seconds in and your goal is to blow the pinwheel for those four seconds and, um, wow. and I was teaching him to do a breathing meditation. So that was one of the things that I did um, to help my son learn how to breathe. And then I developed some other um, meditations around using your different senses, sight, sound, taste, smell, and touch. One-pointed mm -hmm. focus on those. Um, I There were these optical illusions that I saw that I don't know if you've ever seen them. They wound up inside Instant Calm, but they were, um, I have one inside Instant Calm where you stared a little dot inside of a uh -huh. rainbow for okay. anywhere from 30 seconds to two minutes. And you just focus on the dot in the rainbow. And then you take your eyes off of that and you stare at, in the book, I have a white cloud. And then okay. you're rewarded. If you were able to stop your busy chattering monkey mind and just really just, I call it, meditate meditation okay. and then yeah. you stare at the fluffy cloud you will be rewarded with the optical illusion of the rainbow on the cloud and because it, i've gamified meditation um a child would love to do this and in the adults because i i even love to do it so i have things like that 
And I have, um, so each of the senses, I have different meditations for. I have a shower power meditation for busy people who say, I don't have time to meditate. You can meditate, you can multitask meditating while you're in the shower. Uh, touch meditation, so you're in the shower, and you become very aware of the temperature of the water, the pressure mm -hmm. of water, soap suds, loofah, all of that. And then as you're washing your body, you envision yourself washing away the stress, washing mm -hmm. away the resentment, the fear, and envision it going down the drain. So you turn your, your shower into this little meditation chamber. <laughs> you, know, you come out and you're like, you, you know, you wipe off not just the, the dirty, but the negativity. And you step out of the shower ready for the day. So I have different fun ways to meditate that are simple and easy. And there's no excuse. Like, you can find time <laughs> to meditate. Oh, absolutely. I love that visualization technique that you just shared. And simple things like these, when we incorporate into our daily routine, it becomes so much more you know, uh, better the quality of our lives. I love, like these days, I'm doing a lot of cold showers in the morning. And, uh, you know, it's just something that I really look forward to. I mean, I don't really look forward to like 10 seconds before I go into the cold shower. <laughs> but once I go in it, uh, it's just so refreshing and yeah. much better than a warm shower. So, uh, you know, small things like these, when you include it in your daily routine, actually drive, it will make a huge difference. Uh, now, Karen, you've spoken, you've alluded to the fact that our gut health is key to our overall energy levels and our longevity, right? And there's so much research being conducted these days. And some people call it our second brain as well. So what yeah. do we do to, you know, uh, improve our gut health or enhance our well-being in that way? Well, um, in general, you should have uh, an alkaline type diet. Uh, with not too much sugar, dairy, I'm sorry to say meat. I, it's just me. I know every time I say that, people get like um, disappointed because they yeah. love their, their meat. But I'm at this point in my life, I, I try to be what I call them. I, I'm not quite a pescatarian because I have eggs, so I jokingly refer to myself as a pesca egatarian. But I try not to have too much meat in my diet. Um, and then, of course, probiotics. It can actually pro be probiotic a pill. Um, kimchi, uh, it, where I live, they have um, kraut juice, where they actually sell bottles of little sauerkraut juice. Believe it or not, it tastes great. They have different flavors, ginger in it. Um, yeah. So I do things like that. I, I throw back a little shot of kraut juice in the morning. Um, and, uh, and, and, of course, kombucha. I love kombucha. So I have yeah. my kombucha every other day. I have a nice bottle of kombucha. Nowadays, they have so many fun flavors of kombucha. I, I kind of try to mix it up, try a new flavor. So, And I'm very yeah. aware of, of keeping. My son hates when I buy the kimchi because it's so <laughs> stinky. So that's how I got to the kraut juice. But every time I buy a little, even with it closed in the refrigerator, you open it up. So we have to watch that. So. <laughs> got, it. got it so what i'm getting is okay so three things one is uh watch your dairy i mean you can have some but just uh in moderation and also passes down to meat uh as well as ensure that you have some probiotics yeah. and sugar sugar i call sugar a sociopath because it comes on sweet 
but it's really oh. out to harm you. It's a so sociopath. It's like, come on, I'm so sweet. No, no, no. <laughs> so, and Mark, Dr. Yeah. Mark Hyman says that sugar is the new cigarettes because it's a new cigarette, right? Yeah, because it's that bad for us, you know. So, I really try yeah. to watch my sugar intake, and um, well, just uh, I try to have more berries than I have like other fruits because berries are lower on the the sugar intake. Got it, got it. I mean, uh, it's interesting you mentioned that cigarettes, uh, I mean, sugar is now compared to sort of like an addiction of the cigarette. And, yeah. and if you think about 60 years back, uh, doctors used to recommend cigarettes, like they're good for health. And they used to gift packs of cigarettes to soldiers. And now we know how bad cigarettes are. So I'm guessing that maybe 60 years down the line, they'll be like, did we ever think that sugar was good for us? <laughs> you know, it's funny because my son, he says to me, and I still don't know, why do they still sell cigarettes? If and why do people buy them if they know it's bad? And I'm like, I really don't understand that. Why a new human to this planet, knowing what we know about cigarettes, would yeah would enter into that? I I don't I don't know how to answer them. But yeah, yeah, and also the fact that you said to limit uh, our meat consumption, right? And that's also can be a hard thing to do because uh, meat can be tasty whether it's chicken or whether people are used to, yeah. you know, growing up on, on beef. And uh, have you heard that new company beyond meat? I mean, I think they're doing a lot of good things because they have like a vegetarian version of meat okay. and it looks and tastes like meat. Yeah. I mean, they're doing, they're disrupting the entire industry. That's and all these yeah. yeah. Beyond, beyond meat, uh, all these organizations, uh, like I think McDonald's also, or maybe A&W, they're having like a veggie burger. And that's becoming huge because deep down people want to switch from meat, but something that holds them back. So hopefully these vegetarian versions will give them the taste mm. as well as the nutrition, nutritional benefits. Yeah. yeah here in New York, we have something called the Impossible Burger. And oh, really? um, okay. restaurant that sells them, which I love because it's it's like, it's impossible that this is not meat. But And I've had <laughs> it. It's pretty, it's pretty good. I also like portobello mushrooms sometimes those can taste like meat right. if they're prepared right you know what i mean they're like yeah, you can yeah. trick yourself put that in a bun so yeah i love portobello mushrooms uh, whether it's in a burger or there's a nice little chinese restaurant that i go to from time to time and they've got portobello mushrooms and they got this uh, rice and it's it's, mm -hmm. it's not only tasty but it's uh very very healthy as well uh, now karen obviously you've accomplished so many things in your life Right. And it's like you're a steam engine, you're you know, giving up and you've got these goals and your and these visions and things that you want to create. So what advice do you have for people who want to find their calling and to, you know, really live their life's purpose, irrespective of you know what age they are at right now, whether they're twenty or in their thirties or forties or even fifties, but people want to make a change. And so what advice do you have for someone who wants to really live their life's calling? Um, well I think it's never too late. I mean, it was, it's never too late to have a happy childhood. It's never too late to reinvent yourself. You know, I'm constantly reinventing myself, you know, mom at, at 50, you know, yeah. and I, I do other things as well. I'm, you know, video courses. I just started that up a couple of years ago. So, and I love learning new things. So it's never too late to reinvent yourself and do things. Um, there's many stories of people that have gotten successful after 50 starting brand new. The guy who did Kentucky Fried Chicken was in his 60s and uh, he didn't give up. He had this idea for the fried chicken and he knocked on all these doors. It's a very famous story. And I think it was like his 1,000th and second door knocking. 
he sold his chicken mm. and he became a gazillionaire. Like he was living out of his Chevy, the back of his Chevy. So don't give up. Just uh, stay focused and, and you can definitely find a way if you believe, you know, but you have to, um, you have to have a plan. You have to chunk it into steps. I mean, I'm not just about the, like as I said before, the law of attraction, but it's the law of persistence, the law of belief, the law of logic. You know, you have to apply everything. You can't just, you know, um, wish it into happening. You have to do it into happening. So, um, but I've seen lots of people recreate themselves at different, uh, in, late in life. So, Got it. So I should try to access the show notes for today's episode. Go to my7chakras.com forward slash 315. That's my7chakras.com forward slash 315. Action Tribe, if you are enjoying the session so far, then make sure that you subscribe uh, to this podcast on your phone, especially if you are on Apple, because then you will not miss out on any of the new episodes that we release each and every week. All right. So once again, make sure that you hit the subscribe button on your Apple iPhone so that you stay uh, up to date. One cannot think well, love well, sleep well if one has not dined well, this is an amazing quote by Virginia Wolf Action Tribe. If you are going through a difficult situation right now, and if you feel like you'll never be able to get out of this situation, then remember that this is a passing phase and that there is a way out. But before you even attempt to solve this issue, you need to be in the right frame of mind, which means that you'll need to get some rest have some quality and nourishing food, and also, if possible, receive the affection of a loved one. So focus on these three things. Heli mail, get some rest and some love and affection. It's not easy to go through a difficult situation like this, but we're learning that sometimes a nice, warm, and healthy meal can make all the difference. So Karen, talk to us about a time when you had gone through a difficult life situation. Um, what was it like at that phase? And then what did you do to sort of come off that difficult situation? Um, well, I have definitely had my share of challenges, that's for sure. Um, I, I guess if I were to pick one to talk about, I mean, besides in the challenge having a child, which the happy ending would be the challenge of uh, partners, you know, so Back in my 30s, like around then, I had been dating a man for a very long time who was wildly excited about me and very good to me on many levels, but also, and I didn't notice it right away, um, very controlling and mm -hmm. what I later called a Prince Harming. And he was very jealous. He didn't want me to go out to brunch with my girlfriends. He wanted to come along. He didn't want me to go to the gym in the morning because he was afraid right. I was going to meet somebody at the gym. You know, he was very controlling and very jealous. And, but at the same time, he was also um, handsome, well-educated, funny, smart, like all of those things are on the checklist. So, and I didn't want to break up with him because I, he was talking marriage and babies and I wanted all of those things but I it got to the point where I realized that his controlling nature was scary or abusive you know so I'm cutting the conversation short here but I write about it on my website a lot and in my book I have a book Prince Harming Syndrome so I 
I had to have the guts to break it off. And I was very nervous because I thought by ending it with him that I was at an older age, which is why people also say, why'd you wait so long? You know, it's because I was with somebody and blah, blah, blah. But I, I realized that I just had to end it. And so even though I was the one that broke it off, it, it was still very hard for me that breakup. And I, I had a couple things that I did to help me through that breakup um, to believe in a better future because that was like my plan A and I had to believe that plan B was going to beat the heck out of plan A. And it's very hard, you know, when your plan A ends to believe that plan B is actually plan A plus, you know? So a couple of things that I told myself and uh, one of them is, that nothing is everything because I thought my whole life was ruined. And, and I thought you know, just if one aspect of your life is nothing is everything. The part is not greater than the whole. This one part of my life is just one dot of my life. I have so much more of my life to do and that nothing is everything. The part is not greater than the whole. I still have much more of my life uh, to find enjoyment and more people to meet. And for some reason, those two phrases together really help me. Nothing is everything. The part is not greater than the whole. So if right now you're going through something, to remind yourself that the problem you have is in your life. It's not your whole life. It's just, it's a problem in your life. And and also there's something um, pervasive thinking where you think that something is permanent or pervasive. And if you're going through a problem and you're really, really crushed by it it's usually because you're thinking in always or never you're thinking to yourself i'll never meet anybody which is how i originally i'll never my life is over i will always i will never have a child i will never 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 and it's very rare that there's an always or a never but i don't want to say there's never a never because then i'm using the word never but it's very rare <laughs> that there's an always or a never and you have to kind of logically talk your way out of your always or never and dispute it and find proof. You know what? Other people get married in their forties. Other people have babies in their forties. Talk your way out of your always and nevers to dispute them like a tough attorney, put your always and never on the stand and you, you wear them down and you'll see that those always and nevers are liars and get yourself out of that mode. So I guess that would be my story and that would be my lesson. So there you go, Action Tribe, talk your way out of your always and never because this is just a passing phase. And I hope you've enjoyed today's session so far. We're learning today that there are so many levers that you can pull and so many areas that we can focus on, not just to live longer, but healthier as well, right? Because it's no one wants to live a long life and not healthy. Some of the levers are physical, some are mental, and some are energetic in nature. Uh, but I think the most powerful factor like we're learning today is to define and find out our why for living. So many people have spoken and written about having a clearly defined why for living because once you have that in place, everything else changes. You get that extra surge of energy when you know clearly what is that cause or those people that you really are committed to supporting and serving. And just having that in place will add many years to your life because just like charles dickens once said the best way to lengthen out our days is to walk steadily and with a purpose
So we are at our last round for today, the wisdom round. Uh, four short questions that need short but action-packed answers. So, Karen, what is that best piece of advice that you have ever received? It would come from my mom. And I remember when she even said it to me, I was like, ooh, that is good. Um, if you keep doing what you're always doing, you'll keep getting what you're always getting. Got it. Now, if you could turn back time and, and spend one hour with somebody who is currently living or maybe dead, who would that be? Well, I would love my dad to meet my son. So I would that I, I'd like to have him. My, my son was born on August 27th, four years after my dad passed away on August 27th. So I love that he shares the day that my dad passed. And that makes me mm. feel like there's some connection there. So I'd love for him to meet me. I get like a little bit clumped even just saying that, you know. Got it. It seems like August is like a special uh, month in in your family. Oh. In my family, it's June. I'm in, I'm in born in June. My mom is ah. June. My dad is also June. Yeah, tomorrow's my birthday, by the way. Oh, so. oh happy pre-birthday. Yeah. Thank well, my you. dad was born August 21, and my mom was born August 4th. So August is definitely wow. what goes on in August. Yeah. No way. Awesome. And and if you could recommend one book for our listeners, uh, what would that book be? And and I'm not allowed to mention one of mine. <laughs> no, you can um, mention yours as well. <laughs> I also loved uh, my favorite books that I've loved. Oh, gosh. I have 700 books that I remember. Um, I, I always love The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I love The Tibetan Book of Living and Dying. I love The Alchemist. So those are a few of my favorite books. Got it. And uh, I know that your books are available on Amazon for sure, but are they available on Audible as well? for My Life is Bob like book, I had my 87-year-old mom. She's a voiceover, uh, professional voiceover narrator and actress. Oh, yeah. And so I thought, you know, this would be cool. And she's still, she's still working. And um, I, I talked to the publishing house about her doing the narration for my book. So my book, Life is Long, the longevity book, is narrated by my very youthful 87-year-old mom, who's a professional super person. So, yeah, so that book is available on Audible. So that's awesome because all our listeners, Action Tribe, will, you know, they're eligible for one free audiobook download oh, from wow. Audible with a free 30-day trial so that they can check out their amazing service. And what better way than to, you, you know, thank you for, for your being on our show than to listen to your entire book with your mom voicing and reading out the book to them for free. Because listening is a new uh, reading. Uh, and the fact that reading. I love that. Listeners are, it proves it, right? Because they're listening to our conversation. So Action Tribe, if you would like to uh, get your own Audible book for free, go to my forward slash free book. That's my forward slash free book and start listening. We'll have all the links up in the show notes so that it's easier and very convenient for you to um, do that. Uh, Karen, thank you so much for actually coming on our show and, uh, you know, sharing your stories and, you know, giving this advice to our listeners. I really appreciate it. Before you go, tell us one thing that you are grateful for. And how do we find you online? Well, I'm, I have to say I'm grateful for my son. I mean, every day, I mean, he's my little miracle boy. 
And um, you can find me online. My last name is Salmonson. Everybody mangles it. They're always going Salmonson, Salmonson. I'm always going, not Salmon, not Salmon. So that's sort of how you find me. I'm on Facebook. It's facebook.com slash not salmon, Instagram slash not salmon, Pinterest slash not salmon, <laughs> not salmon.com. Just not salmon. That's how you find me. Got it. So we'll have all these links up in the show notes. Action Tribe, if you are a regular listener and if you've listened so far, then it means that you really enjoyed today's episode. So if you feel optimistic, if you feel different, we've got a donation page uh, so that you can come and support us. The link that you need is my7chakras.com forward slash support. That's my7chakras.com forward slash support. If you are on Instagram, take a screenshot of you listening to this episode and tag me on Instagram. I'm at at my7chakras. That's at my7chakras. And finally, if you have any questions, if you have any queries, observations, or something that you'd like to share from today's episode, my email is aj at my7chakras.com. AJ at my7chakras.com. Karen, thank you so much for coming on our show, talking to us about longevity and how to live till 100 and beyond. That's so powerful and taking us one step closer to a human revolution. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for listening to My 7 Chakras at my7chakras.com. That is my S-E-V-E-N chakras.com.